Well, hi, welcome to the Kinexus Continuous Improvement Podcast. I'm Mark Raven. We're joined again today by co-founder and CEO, Greg Jacobson. How are you, Greg? I'm doing great, Mark. Well, it's fun to have another, you know, kind of conversational podcast here today. Um, you, you've got a story of something that happened to you recently, right? Well, it's it's, it's funny. I was about to tell you and you're like, wait, hold on. Um, <laughs> let's just don't tell me the story. And we're um, trying to eliminate wasted motion. <laughs> there you go. We can just talk through it. So so these two things happened, one last night and one today. And I think um, there it's related to process improvement. It's related to continuous improvement. And, and it's really related to respect. When we talk about respect for people mm-hmm. as one of the um, kind of main pillars of a Toyota production system. But the other one is, is really respect for customers. And mm-hmm. um, I think a, a, a big way to show that respect is just acknowledging that someone's there. Right. So mm-hmm. last night went to, as you know, I, I live on South Congress here in Austin, went to a, a local place and it was one of those restaurants where you wait in a line and you go up to the cashier and you put your order yeah. there. And it was it was super slow. Whatever. It's slow. No big deal. Long but, line. And it just seemed like each transaction was slow. I yeah, see. Everything was just kind of, you know, slow. And so um but really, I'm totally fine with that. We ended up realizing that they had a huge party with a complex order, and it's all good. Yeah. But then when we walked up to the cash register, like there, there was no, hey, I'm sorry that took a bit, or sorry to keep you waiting. And then there was no even recognition that we were there. Um, like of like, hey, we'll get to you in a minute. Welcome. I see you. I acknowledge you. Like, give me 20 seconds. I'm wrapping an order up or whatever this person was doing. And so it was, this, you know, I'm there for when is, when is value happen at a restaurant? Um, I guess you could argue, are you buying an experience or are you buying um, a, you know, actual food? But presumably if the food is bad, um, it's going to be really hard to say that the restaurant is um, part of the experience. Anyway. And unless you're at a place with a great view, people will tolerate bad there, food. There you, go. there you go. But there's no reason to me. There's like this is a this is free, right? Someone literally just say, "Oh, hey, I see you right there. Just give me one no. second. I'm dropping something up." And yeah. so, you know, I turned to I turned to Adrian, my wife, and was just like, "I kind of don't really want to come back here for another." It had been about six years since we've been there, yeah. <laughs> but, you know. I kind of don't because, because of a bad experience, or you just hadn't thought about it for a while pandemic hadn't yeah. thought about it it was one of these places that always had a line and yeah. it's like i'm you know, that's just we're not gonna wait in that line and so but we hadn't even had the food yet the food was great by the way you know yeah. the, the rest of it but it was one of those things where it would have cost nothing mm-hmm. and it would have just shown the respect of, of you being there just 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 to look someone in the eye and just say be with you in a second and um Anyway, it passed off, right? So whatever. So so then I went to a doctor's appointment. Um, everything's good. Got some wrist pain, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one of these um, places where there's like a window and there's three people on computers. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of walk up and you don't really know. Yeah. Which one of you am I talking to? Which one of you is going to help me? And so there's this like super awkward kind of experience and, and keep in mind, like when is the value really going to happen here? Probably when I'm seeing the doctor right. and transacting information about my 
you know, MRI result for my wrist. Um, nothing to do with this. I mean, I get it. There's value in knowing, but but it it just well, seems necessary activity. Necessary activity. Thank you for value. To right to get to that point, and yeah. so it it's just one of these things where it just seems like it would be free for one of them that's going to help me to be like, oh, come over here, or oh, like like look at me in the eye and just say, oh, I'm not the person to help you. Um, or, or I'll be with you in just a second or, or like, why put me through this kind of awkward kind of situation? I've now been to this place, um, enough where I just kind of like, I, I'm just like, you know, you know, F it, you know, and I just walk up to the first person and I'm like, should I be talking to you or, you know, and then the other person down the line will, will talk to you. But it, it just made yeah. me think that so much of, I guess what we traditionally call customer service is, is really respect for people. It's really yeah. just acknowledging someone's there. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. About yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that courtesy or kindness uh, is free. It could be part of the, if you will, the standard work or the training. Right. But I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to like the opportunity to be intentional about experience design oh, and yeah. how the process design supports that. And I would argue there's elements of culture in training, like, you know, there, there are some restaurants, even, you know, not nothing fancy, fast food restaurants where you can tell they have all been very trained, mm -hmm. trained very well to do like a high-end hotel where you say, thank you. And they say, my pleasure. I'm like, that's yeah. nice to hear. And it's a little automatic, but still it's better than um, some of the other responses um, that, that, you know, so I, I think some of that is intent. Some of that is creating circumstances where people aren't overstressed or, you know, um, overburdened. And I, and I think that applies in healthcare because I'm, a, you know, I maybe throw a thought back to you as a doctor, not to put you on the spot here, but I, I know doctors who, in the context of trying to improve patient flow, we're trying to improve process, which will improve the experience. And doctors who say, gosh, ideal state for me would be to not start every interaction with a patient by apologizing for how far behind we are. Right. Right. And, and apology and doesn't fix anything, but it's better than it not being acknowledged. I, I feel that as a patient. A hundred percent. In this case, the, the, the doctor came in 40 minutes after my appointment time, which if my appointment, let's say is at 1050, I'm kind of probably expecting it to be taken back at 1050. I'm probably seeing the doctor. I don't know. Maybe I'm waiting in the room 10 minutes. After 15, 20 minutes, you're kind of starting to think like, so it really does cost the doctor nothing to be like, oh, sorry to keep you waiting. Um, and, and then getting, getting, getting into things. Having said that, I, I got really good medical care. And I think I got really good advice and I got good interpretation of my symptoms. And, and, and I think I got a, a very nice conservative approach, which is consistent with what I wanted to do. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't continuing to injure my wrist and I had no problem taking motion for it. So what's, what's, um, what's interesting is the, I guess that core, you know, aspect of, um, where was the where was the value created? Was it the transfer of information? Was it making the diagnosis? Was it the treatment plan? Like maybe there's kind of that core element, but mm -hmm. then creating an experience around it, mm -hmm. especially in the situation uh, we'll we'll pick on um, healthcare, especially because 
the patient doesn't know if it was good care. Right. Right. They don't know if they got the right answer. I, I happen to not know about the risks specifically in this area, but I know the doctor was being thoughtful and kind of put me on uh, a good path, way better than you would, for instance, just because I'm a physician. Yeah. So um, it's almost like the entire experience helps create um, a trust in the the moment where the, the most valuable part of the interaction happens as well. So yeah. it's just funny that it happened last night. Totally yeah. forgot about it. Then it happened again. I was like, this is the same. This yeah. is a different industry. This is the same thing. Just like acknowledge me when I when I'm there and I'm present. I, I agree with that point. You know, uh, acknowledge the delay, and then there's the question of what else are we going to do? And I think there's a difference in mindset where I think a Kaizen mindset or a continuous improvement mindset says, well, things can always be better. If we're not providing the ideal experience to each restaurant customer, to each patient, let's strive to do better. There's another view where you know, a business owner or a practice owner might say, well, that, that's not the constraint in our business. Like we're, we have, we're serving as many customers as we can as it is. If that one customer is annoyed and doesn't come back for six months, for one, they're never going to know that you were annoyed and why you didn't come back. But like they'll get away with that, I guess, until maybe it catches up to them. If they say, well, there, there's really no need. Or I, I heard it articulated um, by a patient once, a fellow patient. So I have you know, early onset glaucoma. I have to go to an ophthalmologist a couple times a year. I'm always the youngest glaucoma patient in the waiting room for this glaucoma specialist. And there, I just know, like, it's always going to run about an hour late. I bring a book, like I've just, I carve out my day. I know what to expect. I'm getting really good care from an expert. But there was one day, I'll never forget. There was a patient who must've been maybe in her eighties. Her daughter had clearly like driven her there. They were sitting together. And, you know, the 80 something year old patient, she said, almost with a sense of pride, she said, this doctor must be really good because look how busy the waiting room is. Uh, yeah, I thought, well, that is a totally different lens yeah. than I would have viewed it. <laughs> but I mean, like, I'm not, I'll go back, but there's a difference. So, like, I have, if you will, fired a primary care practice once, and I tried telling the office manager, you're always more than an hour behind. And every time I'm basically told, oh, today, today, y'all, it's unusual, it's crazy. I'm like, either I'm extremely unlucky. Right, right. Or it's really not that unusual. And it's easier to find a new primary care physician than it is to find a specialist. And I'm not saying people should make excuses for like, well, we don't. There's a question of like, do we have to improve it or do we want to? Is it necessary for the business or is it just making the business and our results better? I guess that's a judgment call. I think certainly it will probably bring a little bit more joy to your life to kind of acknowledge someone and say, hey, Mark, I see you, or, oh, go go two windows down, that person's going to help you. Mm-hmm. I'm not even talking about the Kaizen that could happen there, which is right. they could put a little sticker on the window that's like, check in here, right? right. I mean, because there's literally three windows. There's no way to know which one to go to, you know? Yeah. Um, we're literally talking about just creating a little bit more um, kind of human decency. But mm-hmm. um, so I hear you. I'm with you. Yeah. Topic number two. Should we change topics? Yeah, let's do that. Um, Topic number two. Let me preview topic number three because I'm excited. I attend the 
um, Society for Health Systems conference every year. Greg's going to be a keynote speaker 2024. Let, let's let's come back uh, to that. That's called a tease. Okay, that's but, a tease. I love it. But topic number two, and, and Greg and I are going to continue doing this. Um, you know, our um, our late colleague and friend Chris Burnham. Uh, we, we, we honored him last time we did one of these conversations and we're going to continue answering some of the questions. Like Chris had a stand, pretty standardized list of questions that he liked asking people on, on his podcast, the lean leadership podcast. So we're going to tackle another one of those questions here today. What piece of advice would you give to somebody just starting out in lean six Sigma or continuous improvement? somebody who's brand new to this, let's say they've just taken an introductory class or they're about to. You, am I going for a similar? I'm asking you to, is that all right? So my advice is to read. I, I think that uh, professional adults need to have a habit of reading in order to constantly be introducing their brain to either old concepts and new ways or to new concepts. And I think that is the way we get our professional muscle um, going. So I literally started my continuous improvement journey with a book. Mm -hmm. I, as you know, Mizaki Amai's book, Kaizen. Actually, here, look, uh, for, for those watching, I have a copy sitting right here. <laughs> that was, that was not, not planned. That was not staged. Um, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I was introduced to a whole new, you know, area of thought and of knowledge from reading. So get into a habit. My habit does not involve a book now. It's all audiobooks and podcasts. But I, I'm lit I think podcasts are a great source of knowledge. But I think also um, audiobooks or just like the book format is also a very good source. It just allows you to go deeper in a subject. Mm -hmm. I love when I find that continuous improvement in non-continuous improvement books. Yeah. And yeah. so I was just talking, we were just riffing on a book, um, scaled, scaled up. Is that what we, um, pulling it, it up? Scale up. What was yeah. the exact title? Scaling up. Scaling so up. Mastering the Rockefeller Habits 2.0. So one, it has the word habits in it, which that's going to be the tease for topic number three. Right. But um, it was just, it was so great just to be listening to this book. And then all of it, I mean, it literally turned into a continuous improvement book. And so that's my recommendation for people starting out. What about you, Mark? What's your yeah. recommendation? Um, so many, I mean, so if I were to pick one, gosh, I mean, we could do a whole series on maybe, you know, tips for people who are starting off, or maybe we do a webinar together because um, there's a lot of ways of answering it. So just to build on your topic. Again, let, let's plug Chris's podcast, um, the Lean Leadership Podcast. He had more than 60 episodes. Um, the, the, the Kinexus team, um, we're, we're making sure that that podcast is going to stay online perpetually. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank uh, Chris's wife for helping us with some of that handoff and, and to keep those episodes available as part of Chris's uh, legacy. So podcasts, great way to learn as well. But you know, back to the question. Um, what piece of advice would I give? Um, I think one, maybe to that, maybe it builds on you know the, the different ways to learn. I guess the piece of advice would be, think of lean as something you practice as opposed to like, oh, I learned that as in like past tense. Like, oh, I took the class. I learned it. I know it. Like that's just the beginning. 
And hopefully your instructors helped emphasize that. They probably did. But I think it helps to have that reminder, you know, doctors and lawyers get to say they're practicing in their profession. And to me, lean is very much the same notion. Like you learn enough to go and and get started. And then hopefully you have feedback loops of your own reflection, feedback from others of thinking of this as PDSA cycles. You know, I've learned some things, now I'm going and engaging with people uh, in improvement, hopefully engaging with others, not doing it yourself. And, you know, and getting feedback of like, okay, well now, hmm, that didn't go exactly the way I thought. So I've learned something a little bit deeper about a lean tool or a lean method. Or I'm, I, I learned more about engaging people in change. And I, and, and I think just trying to encourage people from the beginning, think of this as the beginning of a long learning journey. And, and I think back to one, one other thing I'll add, you know, I'll never forget the example of somebody I um, – I was working basically as an outside consultant to an auto supplier 20 years ago. And we were going around the room, introducing ourselves, the lean improvement folks. And the oldest, most senior guy in the room, who's probably in his 60s, and he stands up and he introduces himself. And everybody in the, in the room knew who he was. But he stands up and he says, I'm, I, I can use his name. I think it's a positive story here. He says, I'm Jim Pell, and I've been studying lean for 25 years. And then, like, like, I thought that set a really good example. Like he wasn't standing there saying it is probably true. He probably knew the most of everybody in the room, but like he framed himself as a learner. And, and that really, that, that's, that, that, that both struck me in the moment and it stuck with me. I think that's the difference. Like, I think the term practicing lean or practicing improvement uh, really works well because there's um, and it correlates to lean is not just tools, like right. a single tool. So it's it's one thing to say, oh, I know how to make a paper airplane. Um, certain way to make a paper. There's there's a right and a wrong way to do it, and and that's that. When you when you are, are doing an activity that has such a rich amount of knowledge behind it. And there's a recognition that what will work in one place or in one situation will not necessarily work in that um, one place, in that one situation. So, I mean, truly, the, we'll go back to the doctor I saw from, from my wrist pain. Um, there is, he had never seen the constellation of MRI findings um, before. He's like, wow, you've got this really weird thing. And we concluded that I had this really weird thing. It's not causing the pain. So, um, well, let's just kind of put that off to the side. And I think had I had been a, you know, an 80 year old person or an eight year old person, there would have been different conversations mm-hmm. um, that went into that. So there is um, practicing something is understanding a body of knowledge so well that you're able to use that knowledge to come up with specific things to do that are tailor made for a situation. Yeah. And having seen the patterns enough to know, oh, I recognize this pattern in this, in this area, I'm going to apply this body of knowledge in a certain way. And so I think that's, that's where you can say, because truly, if you, if you go from, you know, hospital A and say, oh, we're going to do exactly what we did in hospital A in hospital B and just think it's going to work. It's just not. And then, especially when you're going across industry. So it's all 
pulling from this large body of information, mm. but kind of understanding when to apply different things and in different ways and then being creative, that's when you get into a practice. That's that is that's why you are a practitioner. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think there are great parallels to what, what you described there to the practice of lean. Um, people in healthcare will say, and there's usually nuance and context around it, but you know, every patient is unique. And you could say every Kinex's customer is unique. Every consulting client is unique. Um, we can learn from past experience. We can learn from other organizations, but people get in trouble when they try to copy paste. And I'll, I'll share one you know, story that I heard recently, and there's I can link to the video uh, from the GE Lean Mindset event that happened early September. Uh, Jim Farley, the CEO of Ford, he started his career at Toyota, and he was there 17 years before he joined Ford, maybe well, over a decade ago, and he became CEO. In, in the his pleasure of his Ford family, might I add. Yeah, he grew up in a Ford family, and they, yeah. he says well, it was a it was tense for for a long time. So he came back in an opportunity to try to help um, um, really transform uh, Ford in different ways. So he has all his experiences of what he knew worked at Toyota. And as he shared in, at, at the event um, in New York, like he came in and recognized Ford's a different culture and the things that worked at Toyota wouldn't immediately work at Ford or you have to like work on sort of trying to change the culture and or adapting methods and, and approaches. You know, he described kind of, you know, in summary that, that Toyota, and I've heard this from John Shook and from others who worked at Toyota, it, there's a very heavy bottom-up influence now, top-down leadership still plays a role, right? There's this that balance, and we, we've talked about that. Our customers talk about that a lot. And then Jim Farley said he came in the Ford, and like he said, it was an extremely top-down culture. And you have to recognize that and realize the situation here is different. What worked well somewhere else just has to, you have to, you know, Jim, Jim Farley was trying to figure out and maybe is still practicing this of how, how do we make it work for it? That's different than if you were opening up a brand new Toyota plant and so, well, we're going to do the Toyota thing in this new environment. Now, that's different than the existing plants even, but before it was even more different. So what, I, what I think is interesting is this dichotomy. Of, we, we started this conversation with what would you recommend for people when they're beginning? And there is a dichotomy. At the beginning, things really need to be black and white because mm. you need to be able to like start building that knowledge base. And, and if you say, oh, well, we're going to do this, but um, in this case, you might want to do it this way. In this case, you might want to do it this way. In that case, and all of a sudden, to a new learner of something, right. it's, 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 there's too much nuance, right? A, a medical student mm -hmm. just wants to know, okay, this is pneumonia. What antibiotic should I get, right? That's very different than a third-year resident where you can start getting into the subtleties of, mm -hmm. well, Let's talk about what 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 are antibiotic possibilities and which ones. Why would you want to pick these versus those? If you start with that conversation with someone, it's just like it's information overload. There's no way they can kind of categorize information. And so, as you're beginning, I think it's okay to initially recognize. Okay, I'm just going to put things in boxes and start learning things like the purest way they can be done. As long as you're open as time goes on, that you're going to see different experiences and you're going to become more nuanced and uh, you're going to go from 
and of learning something new and to being a true practitioner, being yeah. someone that says, I've studied lean for 25 years. Well, that's right. That's phenomenal. That's great. That means you haven't just learned it for six months and then just kind of applied that um, six month learning over and over and over. Yeah. And what, one other thing I'll add on this is the, it makes me think of the approach to teaching and learning and practicing Toyota Kata, like Mike Rother, uh, you know, and others would be pretty directive of here is the starter kata. These are the questions you should ask in this sequence and these circumstances. But then they emphasize then over time, you know, at some point you feel free to start tweaking it and customizing it. At some point, yes, whether it's a, a problem solving template. I mean, you know, uh, there's some people who say, oh, forget the template. If you're going to do an A3, Start with a blank sheet of paper. It's the thinking that matters. Like, well, when people are new to A3 thinking, they want a template. Yeah. Or they need a template. And then, you know, but I would add, like, hopefully there's also coaching. So you're not just stuck with like, ah, here's this template. It's overwhelming. Like you, you need that coaching and support, I think, to be a practitioner. I will simply state that I play. I'm playing guitar pretty regularly now for eight years and yeah. about six years into it. I had just hit this plateau and I got a teacher coach. It has revolutionized um, my playing and my understanding of music. And so if you feel like you are hitting a wall um, in something that is a practice, um, we all need um, disciplined practice, um, intentional practice, but we all need a coach as well. So that will 100% add that nuance that you're looking for. All right. Well, then uh, to wrap up, final topic, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes here. Um, I, I'm I'm super excited, Greg, that you're going to be a keynote speaker because I've attended this conference almost every single year since 2005 or 2006. The Society for Health Systems, uh, Society for uh, Health Systems, part of the Institute of Industrial and Systems Engineers. Like that's my professional academic that's my society, especially the healthcare part of it. So they do a conference uh, every year, the Healthcare Systems Process Improvement Conference. It's going to be held in Atlanta, February 13th to 15th, 2024. And uh, Greg is one of the three keynote speakers. One of the other keynote speakers is uh, somebody who does lean work at Chick-fil-A, that one of these organizations where they're taught to say, my pleasure. I've interviewed uh, David Reed before, so it'll be Fun to hear from him, but Greg, you know, I'm excited you're a keynote speaker. Give us, you know, a little bit of a, a preview of what you're going to be talking about at the event. Well, I'm definitely going to have a lot of fun. Um, if anyone's uh, participated in any any kind of talk I do, well, I, I can't tell you exactly where we're going to go and what crazy stories are going to come up, but uh, I hopefully will um, have everyone laugh um, at least part of it. I have been really interested in expanding my knowledge, my discipline, and my understanding of habit science. And I think habit science is a critical part of building cultures of continuous improvement. And, and taking, there's this whole body of knowledge that's really been developed over the last several decades that has given us a deeper understanding of how we, we form habits, and how we have habits uh, sustained. And, and thinking about those type of um, kind of areas of knowledge and applying it into an organizational structure, I think is fascinating. I think you can really accelerate 
and uh, leverage the amount of energy that continuous improvement coaches are, are putting into the system. I mean, if you have 10 units of energy, why not Why not use your 10 units in the most efficient way possible to have 100 units of, of impact, if you will? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we'll be talking about. It We'll be talking about um, habit science, and then we're going to be doing a, um, oh, I can't remember what they call it, but it'll be more of a, a practi- practicing um, portion as well, mm-hmm. where we're, we're going to get our hands dirty and build some habit loops and uh, design some things out. So uh, more of an action-based workshop um, type yeah. of situation. So should be a lot of fun. I yeah. did not realize that this uh, conference um, was so aligned um, with your with your history, Mark. So yeah. I'm not taking up a, a spot on the stage that you would have normally. Um, well, been. I, no, they were they were kind enough. I think 2018 or no 2019. I was one of the keynote speakers. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, I, I don't feel bad. Okay, have that um, opportunity. But um, yeah, Greg's gonna be up there. Uh, David Reed from Chick Fil A. Um, other keynote speaker Heather Dexter, who's the president of uh, a regional hospital division for Emory Healthcare based mm-hmm. in Atlanta, of course. So there'll be a lot of opportunities there. This is some breaking news. You don't know this, Greg. Um, my proposal to do what they call an intensive uh, session um, was accepted. So I'm going to be doing uh, an interactive session around psychological safety and continuous improvement. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. The intensive session was what I was uh, referring okay. to. So yeah. Hopefully they didn't schedule yours and mine at the same time. Hopefully not. If they did, I will tell you, go to Mark's. Um, no, 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 no. Of, uh, habit science in my talk, but um, I, I do think psychological safety is well, another just, just critical aspect yeah. um, to make sure that you're working on at your organization because you just can, the, the creative work that people need to do and the amount of vulnerability people need to have to do continuous uh-huh. improvement um, can't be done without psychological safety. So. Um, I will pull the and on cord in advance. They probably haven't set the exact schedule yet. If they they just decided a couple of days ago, my proposal have been accepted. So hopefully people can come. I want to come to your session and I want to have you there in mind participating and sharing your experiences and thoughts. So, uh, well, good. This has been fun. 30 minutes goes by just like that. But look forward to doing another one of these with you. Uh, Greg and I are going to be at the AME conference in Cleveland. So we've got an, we've got time to schedule. Uh, we have time scheduled where we'll share reflections from that conference together with the, with the listener. That'd be great. And uh, Kinexus will have a booth there, so make sure to stop by and say hello. And I think we've got a number of customers there um, that will be. We have a number of customers in Cleveland in general, so it'll be a yeah. lot of fun to hang out with our customers. So. Okay. So we'll see you there. We'll hope to to see others there, and we'll see you Kinex next time. Thanks, Greg.